0: good evening, good evening. <laughs> Mark says, action <laughs> it's good to have this number back out with us for our second half of our worship service and if you have your Bibles I'll be opening up with me to a second a second to Romans chapter 12 starting in the ninth verse Romans chapter 12 starting in the ninth verse and if you want to uh, look for an instruction manual on how to behave like a Christian or how to behave like a child of God Beyond Christ's life, here you would find it. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. So if as we look at Jesus Christ's life, we can see the examples that he has left back for us to live, and we find many of them here, in verse starting in verse 9 and following. And at the end of this lesson, we're going to see the results of behaving like a Christian. Well, at the beginning of this lesson, I want us to look at the negatively side of this, i like to finish on a positive note, if you will. At not behaving like a Christian. We can see those out there in the world behaving worldly and being living ungodly and being the typical antichrist that the Bible describes of those people who do not have Jesus Christ. The outcome of that is grim. The outcome of that has also been described in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26, a, a 27, excuse me, a fiery indignation that will devour the adversaries. Now, if you look within yourself and you find yourself living an ungodly life, and you're outside and you're needing some relief, and you find yourself, and this message attracts your heart, and it attracts your spirit, and it it pricks your mind to say, hey, something's wrong in my life. I want you to look within yourself and say, hey, I need Jesus Christ. And you need to follow the instructions that we're going to study tonight or whatever time you're hearing this message. So whenever we think about behaving like a Christian, we find it first off in verse 9, Romans chapter 12. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Well, let's stop right there. We can speak the rest of the day on that right there. The first off, to abhor, have nothing to do with. Uh, Paul considers his previous life to his conversion all the wonderful things he did upon this earth he considered them dumb or worthless these things that we are displeasing the things that we do that are displeasing to God things that we say that are displeasing to God we need to abstain from those things we need to stay away from those things and know what it costs us when we do those things that word of it should be the most grotesque thing you had ever, ever dealt with me being in the maintenance field that's gonna be up there you know I've dealt with some pretty grody things you might think your septic tank I've been there you know it's just gonna have to get higher than that that's pretty bad right so we think about the prodigal son my mind goes right back to the prodigal son whenever he is starving he has spent all this money right now he's feeding swine which is a lesson in and of itself but he's feeding swine and would have gladly I've eaten what those pigs were eating. That just grosses us out, don't it? That's bad. That's bad. Now, abhor what is evil. Uh, That grotesque thing that's in the eyes of God, we need to consider it that same faction. We need to consider it that temporal or that uh, degree of gross, right? Now, evil. You might say, well, I'm not an evil person. I know I, I don't do things that... I'm not supposed to do I know I I know I say certain things that I'm not supposed to say we need to take notice of the things that we do because God sees that as evil any sinful thing that we do God considers it evil let's let that hit home let's let that just sink deep into our hearts and into our minds to say that those bad words that we say intentionally I'm gonna go intentionally we're gonna get unintentionally in the next few minutes Intentionally, That's our habit. That's our, that's our ways of... Uh, uh, I can't think of the word. To express. To express oneself. That's the words that a whole lot of people use. who hear it all over the place, right? That's evil. That's evil in God's eyes. God considers that grotesque. As a child of God, we must also consider that grotesque. To abhor. To have nothing to do with it. Because why? Understand that your sins, they separate you from God. And you are alone. You no longer have a mediator. There's no longer a sacrifice for your sins. That's the reason why I went verse 26 a few minutes ago of Hebrews chapter 10. How bad is that? To know that Christ went to the cross for our sins, for them to be remitted, and yet we still disobey God as people. I don't mean Christians. We're going to get to those folks in just a minute. So when we think about disobeying God and needing an escape, we need a way out. If you're hearing this message and you look for that way out, it's baptism. That is the only thing that can wash your sins away. Period. Well, first off, you got to hear the Word, believe the Word, confess that Jesus Christ is... Repent. I always get those two. My dyslexia kicks in so bad. I apologize. Hear, believe, repent. You got to repent first, right? You got to get rid of those sins. And to get rid of them, to wash them away, you are baptized. First, you got to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for your sins. And then you're immersed. You're baptized for the remission of those sins. And know this you come up out of that water just to just as a newborn baby as we sang the song just a few minutes ago. How sweet it is to hold that newborn baby. You come up out of the water in the eyes of God, you are just like that child. Now let's go to Christians to abhor what is evil. Going right back to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26. For if we have sinned willfully after the receiving of the knowledge of the truth, that is after baptism, folks that is after baptism, taking that short walk with Satan. We need to abhor that. Why? Because we're spitting on the name of Christ. We're trampling him underfoot. We're slapping him in the face when we do that. When we intentionally sin. Now how about the accidental ones? Well, thankfully, First 1 John 1, seven is there. And also, 1, nine. when we confess our sins, God forgives us. Aren't we thankful that we can have an escape? I'm so thankful that God allows that escape because I'm a sinner just as much as you are and I need that forgiveness often because without that forgiveness, we'd all be lost. To abhor what is evil. So this is an, an evil thought of casting out God, going and do what I want to do. I don't care what God would have me to do. I know what God would have me to do and I'm not going to do it anyway or vice versa. Him telling you to do something, you not doing it. Or him telling you not to do something and you doing it. Abhor what is evil. The very next thought, cling to what is good. Remember the reference we had this morning of James chapter 5? Draw near to God. Satan flees from you. I am so thankful. As a child of God, we have that blessing cling to what is good <laughs> i have a i have a mental picture of something that's clinging right here it is here it is so i go to work right i go to work and been working for every, for half a day and something's itching in my in my britches leg i lift it up and it's a dryer sheet in my britches leg i said well, you look at here at least my britches leg smells good right <laughs> it was clinging to me it was it was going wherever i went that's how we need to be with jesus christ we need to cling to him we need to hang on with dear life like the little cat on the picture hang in there with little claws dug in not letting go cling to what is good well we need to remember what jesus christ told the rich young ruler yes we go through christ but we need to cling to god through christ because Jesus Christ told that rich young ruler while he was here wearing flesh that the rich young ruler said, good teacher or good master, Christ rebuked him. He says, uh-uh. there's only one who's good and the Father is in heaven. We need to cling to God. So when we cling to God, we're going to have nothing to do with evil. We're going to have nothing to do with sin. As a child of God, that is our first instructions. Verse 10. Be kindly, affectionate, to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. When Christ was instructing on how we should behave he says love. The greatest of these is love. Did he not teach us that? When we have brotherly love for one another. And the golden rule comes to mind. (coughs) Treat others how you would want to be treated. That's what Paul is writing to the church in Romans. Of course, he's writing to us today as well. Be kindly affectionate to one another. Our affections, those affections need to resemble those of our parents, of our children, of our spouse, our loving spouse, even ourselves. How much do we care about our brethren? How much do we care to show up and and, uh, converse with them? How much do we care to gather together to assemble in Christ's name to worship our Heavenly Father together with one mouth, one mind, glorifying God? How much do we care for that? Are we affectionate for it? I hope so. Because as we are affectionate for it, as we have the dedication to assemble and meet with the saints. In honor, giving preference to one another. You ever told your fellow Christians, good job, or that's a wonderful idea? You ever told, y'all tell me that all the time. Even walking out, it's a good sermon, good lesson. I appreciate those things. But that glory goes to God. That's all it goes. But I appreciate the the, the pat on the back or whatever, if, if you will. But that glory, it goes to God. It's his word. I'm just a mouthpiece. So when we think about lifting one another up, you ever had downtimes? You ever had hard things that's going on in your life and, you, and your spirituality is kind of low? Most assuredly, all of us enter, enter certain circumstances like that. Something may be going on in our life and our, our spirits need to be lifted up. That's when our brothers and sisters in Christ come in to lift one another up. Be kindly affectionate toward one another. In doing so, you're going to lift one another up. Not lagging in diligence in verse eleven. Here we go. The word diligence. Diligence comes into mind. So we think about the word diligence. You know what the word diligence means? In a nutshell, it means letting nothing come between you and your destination or your task or the thing that you have set on your mind to do. You're gonna let nothing come in between you and it. Now, does that mean things are gonna come in between you and your spirituality? Most assuredly, Satan's gonna intercede. He's going to stick his toe in, if you will. He's going to entice you. He's going to try to get you away. We tell him, away from me, Satan. Remember what Christ said this morning? Get away from me. Get behind me. Not lagging in diligence. (laughs) Lagging. The word lagging means to be slow. It means to be dragging, if you will. Fervent. In spirit. All right. Every time I read the word, every time I think the word fervent, I think of three folks. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's the three I remember. And that's how I keep myself reminded of the word fervent. The word fervent means exceeding. More than necessary. More than usually needed. Because remember how hot that, fervent, how hot that furnace was? It was hit it was lit to a fervent heat. that's the type of spirit that we should have that's the type of motivation that we should have being a child of God to do God's will serving the Lord at the end of verse 11 let's look at 11 in, a, in total not lagging in diligence fervent in spirit serving Lord. The Lord. We remember when Christ came to this earth, right? He came to this earth not to be served, but to be a servant. And his apostles, remember whenever he was washing their feet? Remember he was washing their feet? And uh, they rebuked him. and said, well, wait a minute. We need to wash your feet. He said, well, no, no, no. Uh, unless you're washed with me, you can't be clean. Remember what Peter said? He said, From here, just wash my whole everything. He says, "Wash my whole everything, not just my feet, but my head also." Christ rebuked him again. Oh, Peter! He was quick to open his mouth and stick in that foot. Wasn't he was wanting to be sure. He was wanting to be sure, brother Mark. He was wanting to be sure. So we think about that type of ferventness and heat of heat, ferventness in spirit and serving the Lord. Whenever Christ was washing His apostles' feet, this is the Son of God being a servant and if you think very closely we're a servant whether or not we like it we're a servant to either righteousness or we're, uh, we're either a servant to righteousness or wickedness it's one of the two we had an example just a few minutes ago at the beginning of this lesson about wickedness lake of fire I know we've made reference to that many times here at Booth Chapel where those workers of iniquity are going to be so if we're going to serve the Lord first off we need to figure out what we need to do first off we need to find out what's acceptable to the Lord and do those things because one can have a zeal without knowledge and that's happening today ignorance is condemning to folks. We made made a discussion about that in Bible class this morning about false teachers and how condemning they are. When we serve the Lord, we're going to serve Him with our whole heart. We're not going to be lagging in diligence and we're going to do it with a fervent spirit. or we should. Rejoicing in hope in verse 12. Patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Well, let's look at verse 12 very carefully. Rejoicing in hope. Now here at Bo Chapel, was two weeks ago, we had a, a, a very good discussion on the word hope. Not think, but hope. We can hope that salvation is no... We can know that salvation is waiting for we have that hope. Right? So whenever we know without a shadow of a doubt that we will stand with God on Judgment Day knowing that we have served Him to the best of our capacity. Now the reason why I say the best of our capacity, each and every one of us have different traits. Each and every one of us have different abilities. I can do some things that you can and you can do some things that I can't. So when we think about serving the Lord and we think about rejoicing in the hope that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ do you know what that hope is everlasting life salvation that awaits us at the end of our lives we're at the end of our service unto Him patient in tribulation now that's one thing I know that I struggle with myself this is me personally a little bit patience a lot of folks fall in that boat don't we Patience. That's one of those things we have to work at. It's one of those things we have to say, oh, I know, I have to, I have to, I have to wait. Now, one of the positions at my work is I have to work on a computer, right? You have to hit enter and you have to wait. Because it's, it's not fast like the like new, new model stuff. All of our stuff is old. You hit enter and you got to wait. And you got to wait and you got to wait. And I, I can't wait no more. So I got to touch something. And, and the guy who was teaching me he, he slapped my hand and said well, no wait Just don't touch nothing just wait and once I waited there it was what I was trying to get to do I said well I'm not patient enough I still struggle with that how about in our everyday walk of life do we have struggle with our patience we do our patience is tested James also <laughs> teaches about our patience being tested does he not that's right so when we think about Patient in our tribulation. Are we going through tribulations today? Now, not comparative of the first century, by no means. They had some serious tribulations. We have tribulations today, do we not? And if you say no, you might need to look at Satan, your relationship with Satan. Because he has the blinders on your face. Because he's picking at you, he's prodding at you. That is, if he don't have you. If he has you, he's already got you. Why would he pick and prod at you? Our tribulation comes because we're faithful to God. Here's a case in point. Another example of myself, because I was there, right? You weren't, so I'm going to share with you. I was talking to one of the guys with the uh, at the uh, parts house, right? We had just got done the next Thursday. It was a Friday. Thursday night, we had a little car show cruising at the Sonic in Ardmore. And Jody is the guy's name at the the Parks County. He says, did your truck make it home? I said, it sure did, just like bells and whistles, smooth right on home. And he asked, well, did you stop by Tux on the way home? Tux is the the local new bar, right? The bar and grill. I kind of gave him a funny look. He said, well, that's the new place to hang out. I said, that looked real good, the minister going to the bar on the way home. How good would that look? He kind of looked at me and was like, Well, that, that wouldn't look too good at all. What is it? You're right. It would not be. A small tribulation, right? That's me personally, like I said, that's me personally. Just one small tribulation. Am I patient in that? Most assuredly. So we must be patient in the things that happen to us. We gotta be patient with others. We gotta be patient with ourselves. Most assuredly we gotta be patient with the Lord. Because He is coming, is He not? He's coming. Continue to be patient. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Well, let's look at the word continuing. The word continuing means to keep on, not to cease. Continuing steadfastly. All right. When you think about your service to God, when you think about your service to God, in concordance with 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. Those who believe in the name of Jesus Christ can know that you have salvation. There are those things he wrote to, that you may continue to believe in the name of Jesus Christ, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Let's look at our prayer life. So when we, we understand what the word continuously, we understand what the word steadfastly means, How about in prayer do you see a situation that that needs a prayer do you say that prayer child of God's going to again instruction manual for a Christian a Christian or a child of God is going to see a situation that needs prayer and they're going to pray for it pray for that person who's sick pray for that person who is in need and if you have an opportunity to give that need pray for someone to be lifted up pray for someone to be returned Pray for the church itself to be restored. Pray for yourself. Continually, steadfastly in prayer. And if you look at the life of our Lord and Savior, yes, we have instances where Christ went off by himself to pray. In the garden, right before his arrest, right? When he had Peter, James, and John in there and they fell asleep. What did he do? He went off by himself to pray. But Jesus Christ had a continual mindset of prayer. He was continually connected to his Father. Whenever we talk to God, we talk through Jesus Christ. He's our mediator. He's our go-between. Except for that one time. That one time upon that cross when he took your sins on. When he took my sins on. He took on those sins of those folks who were driving those nails into his, or had driven those nails into his flesh, mocking him, slapping him in the face on the way to that crucifixion. He was dying for their sins to be removed or remitted. At that time, he was disconnected to his father. And that's what he prayed for in the garden. That's what he was afraid of. For the first time ever in his life, he was separated from his Holy Father. Continually, continuing steadfast in prayer. As a child of God, we're going to have connections to God. We first off, we had that connection. That veil was torn into, was it not? That separated the holy from the most holy. We can talk to God just like picking up the telephone and dialing whatever. We can talk to a God only a child of God has that blessing and in verse 13 distributing to the needs of the Saints given to hospitality so what does it mean to distributing the needs of the Saints if there's a need to be made we're going to meet it a need to be met if there is a need to be met we're going to meet it If things need correcting, if things need to be given, if someone finds himself in need or someone needs some help in something, as saints, as children of God, we're going to give that need. Happily. Not begrudgingly, because that's a different lesson. Given to hospitality. You ever help somebody in need? I still remember my first one of course I was yet to be a child of God I was just, just helping somebody out and I felt good after I'd done that one thing and after I realized that it glorifies God with that act or hospitality towards even the lost oh wow that's a good feeling that's a wonderful feeling verse 14 bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse and there you go there's part of the meats right there Verse 14, when somebody's doing you harm, what is our human nature to do to? Retaliation. No, 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 no. God says his children are going to be peacekeepers. Have we not been commanded to be peacekeepers? Yes. Whenever those who are doing harm to us, when those who are our enemy, what are we supposed to do for them? Pray for them. We're supposed to pray for our enemies. Because who does vengeance belong to? It belongs to God. It's his and his alone. It does not belong to his children. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Remember Stephen. Remember Stephen? What happened to old Stephen? He got stoned to death. Right before he was stoned, in the process of him being stoned to death, what did he look up and see? He seen Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God. He's seen that. Did he revile or persecute those folks who were killing him? He did not. That takes strength. That takes a lot of strength. Some more strength, also, with a a wonderful example of, of us to blessing those who are persecuting us. Blessing and do not curse. When our Lord and Savior was being crucified upon that cross, you remember what he prayed for God? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That takes strength, folks. That takes strength. To know that these men were killing Jesus Christ. He knew that they were killing him. And he asked God to forgive them. Again, a Christian, right? A Christian is a mimicker of Jesus Christ. No greater blessings than that, is it Not. To pray to God for them to forgive, for for God to forgive them. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, verse fifteen. <clears throat> rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. When you show compassion for someone in their difficult times, we when when someone has lost a loved one. That's that's one that that we typically go to when someone is weeping. When someone is broken-hearted, when they're down in their spirituality even, we comfort them. We share in that pain. We share in that suffering. It's not very good. It's not very encouraging for them. Actually, they're going to look at you funny if you're rejoicing at someone's funeral because they have lost a loved one. I don't mean remembering good times. I mean thankful that that person is now passed. That's not, that doesn't say a lot, does it? That does not... Well, it does not say a lot for God. A child of God is going to mourn the loss of that person. They're going to try to lift that family member up because in lifting them up, they very well may be encouraged to come to God because God can give them comfort. God and God alone. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Rejoice. A wonderful example of rejoicing a newborn Christian someone has just given up the world and given their heart to God truly repented and ready to give their all to the service of God do you go up to them and say what did you do why did you do that why did you make that choice that's the worst choice you ever made Have we ever done that Of course not. This is a child of God. Brand new. You know, we want to encourage them. We rejoice with their feelings because they're a brand new creation. I can remember whenever Melissa and myself was immersed and baptized. We took those first few steps. After it was all said and done, everyone rejoiced with us. I remember that. I remember that very well. And it was a good feeling. I thought to myself, we made a good choice. Made a wonderful good choice. Now we're in the service of the Lord. Now we're no longer guilty of those sins that we've got repentance of, that we got forgiveness of. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We share the feelings. We help lift one another up. We help lift those who are outside up. In verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Right. The beginning of verse 16 says, Be of the same mind toward one another. What type of mind gives us the example of how we should think toward one another? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. How did he care about? How much did he care for his disciples? How much did he care for his apostles? Greatly, greatly. We see this great care in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verses eighteen through twenty. Right at the end of verse twenty, what does he say? And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen, Jesus. Because we are thankful that you are there with us, dwelling in our hearts. Just as much we are dwelling in you. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things. Here we go. Goes right back to that rich man. Very difficult to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't say impossible. It says difficult. So where do we set our mind? On earthly things? No. Now this, again, maybe took it out of context. When we, high things, we're talking about heaven? That is not what that means. A child of God is going to have their mind set on heaven. This is referring to earthly things. Things that separate you from God. Things that distract your spirituality. Do not set your mind on those things, but associate with the humble. Whenever we see Christ, again with our example of washing... His soon-to-be apostles feet he humbled himself this is God in earthly form washing men's feet now I understand that was a, a high honor for your feet to be washed I understand that here we see the our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ one-third of the Godhead God the Son washing feet a servant's job. A slave's even. Christ put himself in that position. He even rebuked those men saying, Well, no, no, unless you washed of me, you're not clean. We have to humble ourselves. When we humble ourselves and bring ourselves down to we don't know what we should. We're not where we should be. None of us are. We all are work in progresses. When we humble ourselves, just as Christ humbled himself in that example, oh, that's pleasing to God. And do not be wise in your own opinion at the end of verse 16. Your own opinion. What has opinion done to God's word over the ages? Oh, it's changed it so much. It's twisted it. It don't even mean what it's supposed to mean anymore in certain households, in certain beliefs. It don't mean what it should mean anymore. As a child of God, you're going to take the root meaning of it. You're going to apply it to your word. You're going to have opinions over it like the multiple cups. That's an opinion. Are you drinking of the the grape juice? Are you drinking of the wine? Most assuredly, you're partaking of the cross blood. It's in how we do it. It's an opinion. But yet still we still do it. We're not breaking any of God's laws. It's just an opinion. We're all gonna have opinions. But to not to be wise in it is to, well, that precedes God's word. Uh, no, that we can't do that. We don't have that authority as his children. Does the clay have any power over the potter? No, he doesn't. The potter has that power over the clay. God is our potter, and we are the clay. And in verse 17, again, retaliation comes to mind. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. There you go. How difficult is that to turn the other cheek? We've also been commanded that right when somebody slaps you, turn the cheek and offer another one. It's hard. Human nature says, I'll get you back. I've heard that so many times at work. I'll get you back. Most time it was a prank, right? Well, I'll get you back. No, this is repaying evil for evil. Someone do harm to you, you do harm to them back, right? The old Testament would have said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Isn't that not there? Paul is saying under the New Testament, mm-mm. turn the other cheek. Turn the other cheek. Don't take don't take that out because they took your out. You don't have that authority. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Here's a, here's a good side. Here's a good a wish. Wouldn't it be nice if all would come to repentance? That is the will of God, by the way. Wouldn't it be nice if that will was fulfilled? That all men everywhere would come to repentance and turn to God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? This would be a whole lot better place to live. How many of y'all lock your doors when you go home? Well, when you leave home. I know folks who lock their doors when they're in their home. Do you lock your car doors? When you pull it up in the parking lot here at the church building, did you lock your doors? Some's going yes, some going no. My windows is rolled down. <laughs> it's not going to rain. If it was going to rain, I'd roll them up. I've left my keys in my car for weeks at home. Now, if we lived in town, probably a different story. Come out, all our vehicles would be gone, right? In a perfect world, in heaven, guess what? You don't have to lock them down. I understand your home's not going to be there, but case in point, you don't have to lock your doors. You don't have to worry about thieves breaking in and stealing. You don't have to worry about robbers taking all your stuff. You don't have to worry about those things. Now, if all men everywhere would come to repentance, have good sight. have have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Wouldn't it be nice for all men everywhere to come to repentance? I kind of tried to motivate us this morning about doing the work, changing hearts, encouraging minds to come to repentance and serve God as they should. And in verse 18, if it possible, As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. We need to take 18 and look at it very carefully. Possible is there. So what does that say? What does that mean? Why is possible there? God knows that we're not going to get along with everybody. He knows that. So if an instance arises and we see a strife coming, walk away. Don't antagonize the situation. Don't make it worse. Walk away. That's what God wishes his children to do. Because in doing so, they very well even come to a fight, right? As a child of God, we're not supposed to be fighting with our fists. We're supposed to be fighting with what? God's Word. And verse 19, I'm running out of of time very fast. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written... Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Again, who does vengeance belong to? God. If those are doing harm to us, what do you do? Pray for them. If they even find themselves to be in need, help them. If he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him some drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You might think this is almost impossible. This is almost completely off the scale of, of impossible to be able to do. We didn't say it's going to be easy, did we? Had, had no intentions of saying being a Christian is going to be easy. Following these instructions ain't going to be easy, or is not going to be easy. Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Take your strength through Christ. If you find yourself outside of Christ today, repent of your sins. Come to him by believing in his word, obeying that word, confessing those sins, repenting those sins. I know those are backwards again. And be immersed for the, back, for the remission of your sins. If you have taken that short walk with Satan after immersion, after becoming a child of God, repent of those sins so as you can be restored. Do you need to become a child of God? Do you need restoration? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation.